Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And Johnny, we are talking Manhattan today, and uh, we are proud to have, um, for the first time, um, Kirsten Jordan, thank you very much, of Douglas Elliman, and the first female uh, cast star of um, Million Dollar Listing, right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, not- and, you're, and you're rocking it. Sorry, Johnny. No, I was going to say, not, not to mention, I mean, uh, billions in production. I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. So we're, we're honored to be joined by you today, Kirsten, and we're looking forward to the conversation. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. I love your podcast. I remember listening to your, you guys did some really great stuff. I remember in the depths of quarantine, you guys had were really putting out amazing stuff since then. I, you know, every once in a while I get to listen to it as well. So you're, you're putting out great content. Oh, and we'll just stop it right there. We'll thank you. Hey, we're done. Thank <laughs> you, everybody. everybody. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> we learned to go out on a high note over here. That's right. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're just getting started, uh, Kirsten. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get right into it. We're going to dive right in. Um, please tell the listeners what you are seeing that is going on in the Manhattan markets right now. So what we saw in the Manhattan market in the first quarter was just, you know, we still had this incredible amount of activity, luxury market on fire. We're seeing a shift where there's a, you know, we're starting to see people buy co-ops again instead of just condos because of the fact that, you know, as the market contracts and then the inventory goes away, people start to go to the less liquid assets, to the stuff that sells, you know, second and third in, mm-hmm. in place from the first line product that sells. So we're seeing that. We're seeing a real push towards finished product that people can move into really, really quickly. Of course, staging is a big element of that. Nobody has an imagination. Um, you know, my sellers are like, really? We really need to stage? And I'm like, yeah, you really need to stage. Um, so we're seeing that as a really, really important part of the market. But I would say that things have cooled off um, during the second quarter. Uh, you know, if you're looking really at the number of transactions, it's kind of been like, you know, we're seeing inventory, inventories that's still at a low level, but the number of transactions isn't keeping up with next year in the second quarter. I am anecdotally hearing about a lot of inventory that's going to be coming on um, as far as from the resale product from people who are holding their apartments back. Now they're maybe deciding to put them on the market. I can't get a photographer to shoot an apartment for the, to save my life. So there's Hmm. definitely inventory coming on. And, um, and, and of course there, but there's always a scarcity of quality product. And that's the case in any market because that's just how it works here in New York. That's interesting. So let, let me ask about, about the, the sentiment of the market, because I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at the first quarter, right? You had a, a noticeable level of activity, which I think is, is, is sort of on the cusp of transitioning here. And I'm curious, how are your sellers thinking about the market? How are the people who are about to come on the market feeling about the market? And what are the buyers? What, what is their emotions right now as they sort of navigate uh, Still, there's a lot of competition. Rates are higher, but there is, as you mentioned, there is a little bit of supply out on the horizon. I'm just curious, you know, how all these emotions are in play right now. Sellers are definitely having a hard time grappling with things coming down so quickly or changing quickly. I think that their data is not even there yet on some of the discounts that they will be on some kind of product. And then the rest of it is still trading strong. The strongest neighborhoods are still experiencing a scarcity of inventory and they're still experiencing really, really you know, high demand from the buyers. So it's even, it is definitely neighborhood specific for sure. Mm -hmm. And so that the narrative for your sellers has to be neighborhood specific based on what product we're talking about. Um, I'm finding the secondary neighborhoods that maybe were like a little bit less prime or then they're struggling a little bit more than they were in the past. 
Um, you know, that's something to be really, really clear about with your sellers. So sellers are having trouble with this change because they're like, hey, we didn't get that much time where things were going great. I finally decided to list my place because things have stabilized and I feel more comfortable showing my home. What do you mean things are going to be slowing down a little bit? And I don't think it means we're coming into a huge correction, but we're the market's normalizing. Remember, we've had a non-seasonal market now for a couple of years because of the fact that everything's just been so bonkers because of pent-up demand. So yeah. that's just a conversation now we're having with sellers like, hey, this could be seasonal again. It could be that like things aren't busy again until the fall or really busy until the fall and you need to be well priced and you need to be attractive to the right buyer. And then for the buyers, it's, hey, you better have your financing clear and lined up so that you know what you're getting. You better know what that rate lock is going to cost you and how long you're going to be able to lock your rate and what your other backup lending ideas are. And if you're buying a condo, maybe you're going to buy interest only. Maybe you're going to do an arm. Maybe you have other plans for how you're going to do your financing instead of just a 30-year fixed um, because of the fact that, you know, maybe you just want to focus on that monthly payment. Interesting yeah. stuff. If I, if I could just, I know, sorry, no, if I could just follow that up. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, when you when you think about the buyers, because I think that's, a, that's an excellent point, right? And, and one of the discussions that we've had, sort of the debate we had is what's driving demand lately? And a lot of it has to do with the idea, they, the idea that buyers out there right now are trying to sort of lock in these deals, lock in these rates while they're low, uh, you know, going forward because they understand that the, the costs to transact might be higher. And I'm curious how you see it. Are, are the buyers today motivated by sort of getting a deal done because of its inventory, because of low rates? Or do you have some buyers who are like, you know what, I think, I think inventory is going to be coming on in the summer. I'm okay waiting here. Well, there are buyers who really are concerned that the rates are going to go high and they're not used to paying those rates. I mean, remember, we've been in a very low low interest rate environment for a long time. So again, you know, this is something people have to adjust to. Does it mean that we're going into a high interest rate environment? Not really. We're just going into something that's a relative, relatively higher. And so I'm seeing buyers have urgency to purchase. And then there's buyers who are saying, hey, like if I don't find what I want, you know, my buying power has changed and I'm going to sit it out now. Um, so, so we're definitely seeing that. And then, of course, there's buyers who are saying like, hey, I don't think this is ever going to be that bad. I'm going to do an interest only mortgage. I don't care because I just don't want to part with I don't I want to be putting out I don't want to deal with principal anyway. I just want to be mm -hmm. you know, I want to put down what I'm putting down and then I just want to be interest only a lot of finance people thinking that way. Um, and and they're making it happen and it works for them. And then remember. Wealthy people have other ways of borrowing. So, you know, I think a lot of us are talking about mortgage rates, but the truth is there's a lot of people who can borrow, you know, against their stock portfolio with a line of credit, you know, and that's at, what is it? It's at like the treasury plus, plus LIBOR or however all that works. I don't know, but those are different rates too. And, mm -hmm. and so there's other ways to do this. And I'm seeing buyers be more creative and I'm seeing buyers ask real questions about whether this is just headlines or whether this really affects them you know, by digging in on the details. Well, uh, Kirsten, you are, you are just pouring it out today and I'm loving this right now. I'm just like, I'm, I'm absorbing everything. It's the first time I'm not talking, um, which is probably strange to a lot of my uh, followers here, but I got a couple of questions. John, I'm gonna have to put you on pause for a second here. <laughs> um, Kirsten, I want, to, I want to talk about the pipeline of supply mm -hmm. that you were talking about. Is, is this something that you, um, is it high? Like you mentioned, you made a note of it saying like there's a high pipeline that's, that's to come. Is it relatively like, I mean, do you always feel this way or is it like, no, I feel something's different this time? That's I think it's a, I think it's acute. I think people are trying to get their places on the market before Memorial Day because they think that maybe if they get it on before the summer that they're going to be able to catch the wave, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, and maybe they're not going to be here this summer. So it's going to be easier to show. So there's like some hypothesis around that. I think there's there's the narrative of the market being strong 
has truly, you know, permeated New York City. I think everybody talks about how the real estate market's back and everything's stabilized, and that's great. And I, mm-hmm. and again, this isn't, this is not a narrative around instability or a crash. This is just going back to normalcy, going back to things cooling down a little bit, going back to the n- normal sales cycle of, of you know, certain, you know, apartments having being on the market for longer. And then of course there being other inventory coming onto the market and, and competing with each other, you know, where it's yeah. not just, hey, there's this valley between the quality stage turnkey product and everything else that's got, you know, grandma's furniture and, you know, they haven't opened the windows in a while and like nobody painted it and there's no AC. Yeah. And, and, and I'm wondering, yeah, I get right. And I'm wondering if, if sellers that were going to list in fall are, are now bringing that forward to now, is that happening or no, 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 that's not really what I'm seeing here. Um, I think there's some who want to, who, who are trying to get it together to list now and might miss that because the fact that it's taking longer to get stuff on the market. And I think mm-hmm. if there's people who are going to list in the fall too, I do think we're going to see a little bit of a spike in inventory over the next couple of weeks. It'll be acute. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be something that will, you know, right. bring us back to a high inventory status in Manhattan, but I do think we're going to see some inventory and, and then we're going to see a nice fall market of some, some nice product. Is it going to be new development product? Probably not. There's only a couple projects I know of that are truly coming to market over the next couple of months that I'm like, oh, wow, those are prime. The rest of them, there's nothing, you know, it's going to be, we're waiting for those next, for that next new development cycle. So, so you got a scarcity of, of, of good product that's out there right now, a scarcity of good product, even though inventory is kind of, it's not low, it's not high, it's kind of where it is, moderate. Well, we um, are historically low. Yeah, right. We're historically low. It's just more right. that, you know, as if you get like, you know, if you see a bunch of good apartments come on one week, everybody's like, oh, there's all this stuff coming on. <laughs> right, I right. I negotiate. <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah, let me, and sorry, no, if I could just jump in, because I'd like to follow that point. And you, you, you mentioned the word negotiate. So I'd like to jump in with negotiability. And I'd just like to talk about what are you seeing today? I mean, do, do sellers still remain a solid upper hand like they have for the last year and a half or so? Or is there a, a, a window here for buyers now? There is still value in product that is not the ultra prime product. For sure, that I'm seeing across the board, and that's still the, that's been the case throughout this entire process. There have been there have been listings and there have been buildings, even new construction that were in neighborhoods that were less prime, and those still experienced negotiability. And then they also experienced sales that were, I think, relative value versus the rest of the market. And they're not terrible neighborhoods; they're just neighborhoods that happen to be overbuilt during our, you know, quote unquote, new development boom time period. And then you're going to see the the rest of the good negotiability on stuff that needs work, mm-hmm. you know, that needs to be completely overhauled because you know supply chain is still a real thing, and you know yeah. people still have fatigue around renovations. Um, and then you know I think that there's of course around the buildings where, you know, you were going to finance everything. I think that there's something to be said for the fact that maybe those ones might be a little bit stronger in this case because of the fact that people are saying, hey, you know, um, this was a this is a whole finance play in general, and there's no requirements around how I can structure my my financing. So like, uh, uh, that's a more stable asset for me, you know. Whereas when you look at like a co-op building, you know, if they only let you put 50% down and they don't like interest-only mortgages and like to see something that's as fixed as possible because they like to see stability for people, then right. you know those go into that less liquid asset category, um, depending on the depending on the scarcity of that inventory. Well, and, and and now you got to add into the equation. You got rising rates and you got a rental market. I just want to shift really quick to the rental market. I I am hearing stories 
about the rental market. And in Brooklyn, I'm hearing some crazy things. In Manhattan, I'm hearing some semi-crazy things. Um, so Brooklyn's at a higher level in Manhattan. This is what I'm hearing anecdotally. Getting the data on this is tough. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to ask you about what you're seeing. Is it, is it true? Is the rental market in a mania right now? The rental market still relatively manic, I would say. There was a really manic phase where things were just insanity and you couldn't find anything and things were just really renting at crazy, crazy numbers. Now, I would say we've reached a little bit more of just a low, a low inventory, um, still with relatively high demand state. People are still somewhat picky about wanting something that has nice finishes that they feel like they can move into that has a doorman, perhaps amenities. I'm seeing a big push towards that. Um, this is the first time in the history that we've ever raised rates when there was relatively no vacancy. You know, usually when they raise rates, in theory, there is some vacancy on the, on the, on the, you know, with, with sales in the sense that there's like, there's, there's housing product that needs to be absorbed. That's overpriced and the raising rates is supposed to bring the housing that, that, that housing price down so that people then right. will be able to buy it. But now there's no housing availability in the country, which still trickles down to us in the sense that we're still in this general scarcity of product. And then they raise rates, which usually brings the rents up. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. then, so it's, it's happening at this perfect storm and we're still seeing that, especially at the low end where the people were hit the most immediately by the affordability crisis of rising rates, those rents are out of control. Wow. Yeah. Just, you're, you're absolutely right. If you are a home shopper, whether you're a buyer or a renter, I mean, pretty much you are, are, are being squeezed um, every which way possible right now. And I'm curious, I mean, Kristen, do you have any advice for someone who's in that situation where they're looking to buy and they feel like prices are kind of getting away from them or they're looking to rent, they, they feel that same, that same uh, price, price pain? Um, I think a lot of us brokers will agree that a lot of our buyers are very picky and a lot of the people who are looking are very picky at what they're looking at. So at some point, if you want to get a better deal, you're going to have to be more flexible with your standards and you're going to have to broaden your search period. And then the other part of renting that not a lot of Americans do is there's always this idea of renting something that maybe you lock into for a longer time period at a good rate that maybe needs a little bit of improvement. And you put that you put you split it with the with the landlord or you put some money into it yourself and you stay there for a while so you know that your you know that your housing costs are going to remain stable for a certain amount of time and and that's not out of the question as long as you're being able to save money when you're doing that so i think people need to get a little more creative i think they need to be a little and i and i think that throwing away a ton of money on rent at a very, very high end level, unless you're truly, truly, really, really wealthy is probably not the best thing to do because the fact that you're really cutting into the ability to save for future purchase, buying power for other kinds of, not, not just retirement, but being able to, you know, purchase that home in the future, which, you know, for a lot of people that makes a lot of sense long-term for them to be building equity through buying a home. Is it something that everybody has to do? No, um, but, but I think it, we should be careful about, you know, lifestyle creep when it comes to this whole thing of, of paying a ton of money in rent for really, really high-end stuff um, and not saving money because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, I, I agree with that completely, Kirsten. And I, I just want to ask you a question. I'm getting this asked a lot now. Um, more and more brokers are coming to me and saying, I, I, I need to have a price reduction conversation with my seller. And my seller is just not getting it, not getting it. So I want to ask, is there any um, tools in your uh, toolkit um, or strategies that you uh, employ to maybe get through to those sellers? And how would you advise brokers to, um, to have that conversation? 
Well, I will tell you that I'm sure between your website and a couple of other websites, you can easily find what kind of inventory we're seeing right now and what kind of velocity we're seeing of product and what kind of like the velocity absorption, the amount of transactions. And I think if you look at the first quarter versus the second quarter, you'll see that we are moving into a time period of, you know, having shorter, shorter peaks and longer valleys. And yeah. this bumping along is something that, you know, we're not going into, I don't think any sort of terrible economic environment, but it's something that you better to get ahead of because you want to be able to use that liquidity for other things. And, you know, by, by being stale in this market, it's not a good look. And at, if you're not ready to change your price, you need to be ready to change your listing, which means you got to be ready to stage. And if you've already staged and you've already made those improvements, then you know, and, and you're doing everything you need to be doing with your digital marketing and the rest of your marketing, there is only one answer and that's always price. Yeah, lower the price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. That's, that's what it all comes back to. If something's not moving, it's a market problem, it's a product problem, but 99% of the time, it's a price problem. Uh, so Kristen, I just have one final question. That's just, you know, listen, you've got, you've got a team, you are a rainmaker, you're, you're making it happen. What's your advice for the new agents out there, whether it's, if it's in terms of building a team or just kind of getting, getting your own production going, what, what are some of the things that you would wish you had known your, your first year out on the, uh, on the mean streets of Manhattan? Right. The first, well, I have a couple, I have a couple things I would suggest. Number one is that I think you should definitely start using a CRM as soon as possible. Whatever you can do to segment your database so that you can focus on the people who own real estate, who are your past clients, who are, are your sphere where there's potential to trade, um, you, you should be focusing on those people. You don't need to be like a social climber, but you should be paying attention and keeping track of who is part of your sphere and who's part of your past clients. Second thing is making sure that you have somebody in your life that is able to coach you through transactions when things get difficult and the stakes are high or when things need to de-escalate. You know, I'm on the phone all day with my team members on their deals, helping them de-escalate things, helping them get things across the finish line. That's the reason I'm a team leader. Um, and I think that in general, everybody needs one of those, especially for your first couple of years in the business, just because. Um, there's a lot of intricacies to this business. And then I think the third thing I wish I'd done earlier was, of course, you know, has to do with digital marketing, definitely social media, definitely embracing that. Um, everybody's got their own model for what that looks like. I wouldn't be afraid to put stuff out there that isn't perfect. Your brand will create itself as long as you are listening to what your audience wants. As long as you feel comfortable putting, putting yourself out there, you will know where to slowly guide your content to be something that your audience is looking for. So, you know, I, I remember in the beginning, I put out content that maybe wasn't exactly on brand and we've learned. Um, and, and I'm glad yeah. I haven't held back too much because it's, it's really, I can tell you it's compounding the impact it has on your business. This is incredible, incredible advice. And, and I will look, I will um, second that because, you know, John and I, we have been through this content and we've been through the digital marketing um, um, cycle and, it's a grind and, and you got to learn, you got to fail. You got to try, you got to do it wrong. You got to see what you did wrong. You got to try something here. And then you're going to see, Oh, that works a little here. And over time, you're going to figure it out. And um, yeah. those that do it over the long term are going to uh, again, try, fail, learn and succeed. It's a marathon. Um, it's not a sprint. It's a holistic yeah. process. And anybody who's like, well, what directly are you getting from it? How are you actually directly correlating it to sales? 
doesn't understand and they need to stop asking those kinds of questions because it's yeah. about brand building and it's about this overall collective consciousness around your brand. It's about people thinking of you and remembering that you're a real estate agent. And the only way to do that at this point is, is truly to either be on the phone all day long, which we all are anyway, but then it also involves putting yourself out there. You know, yeah. Speaking. Yeah. And getting that compounding uh, digital media, social media situation rolling. This has been fantastic. Um, Kirsten Jordan, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out of your business schedule to tell everyone what's going on right over there. Um, you are doing fantastic. Keep it up. Thank you so much. That is John Walker. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We're both from Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan and we'll catch you next time.